So our goal today is to share five life-changing lessons of the Rebbe. One of those five life-changing lessons that I chose, it's hard to choose five, but I did. So the five life-changing lessons that we're going to cover today are loving your fellow, creating leaders, optimism, positive thinking and positive speech, utilizing technology, and a work ethic. So let's look at them one by one. The Rebbe became leader of the Chabad movement after his, the passing of his father-in-law, who had previously been a, been a Rebbe, um, in 1950. When the Rebbe began his leadership, his kind of inaugural um, first public event was on the first anniversary, 1951, actually, of his, father, of his father-in-law's passing, um, where he spoke publicly. And in that first speech, he spoke about how far everybody should go in order to help a fellow Jew or another person, how far we have to go. He told then a story about the Alter Rebbe, the first leader of the Chabad movement, who once on Yom Kippur, it was time for Kol Nidre, and his community, his followers were waiting for him in the synagogue. And he didn't show. And later they found out, he came in very, very late. And later they found out that on his way to Shul, before Yom Kippur, he stopped in the home of a woman in that town who had given birth that day. And had no hot water to bathe the baby in, to be able to drink hot water, to heat up food. And so it was on Yom Kippur, There was no fire on in the house. It was cold. So he took firewood, made the fire for her, heated up the water, and helped her till she was settled, till she was okay. And only then afterwards went to the synagogue. Now, a later stage, the Rebbe once addressed this story again, and he pointed out some more details in this story that the, this woman had family. She wasn't a single woman. She had a family. Where were her family? They went to Shul for Yom Kippur. They had their baby. They left the woman that just had the baby and the, and, the, and the baby. They ran off to Shul without taking care of her. The Alter Rebbe, he was the leader. He knew all his followers are waiting for him. Here's on his way to Shul, a woman moaning, whatever it was, and he discovers this woman needs help. He could have gone and told one of his followers, one of his students, can you go help this woman? It's Yom Kippur, but it's a mitzvah to save a life, right? The child's in danger if he doesn't get taken care of. The woman's in danger. She just gave birth. You're allowed to desecrate Yom Kippur in order to save a life. In fact, I once did that. My oldest daughter was born on Yom Kippur, so we went to the hospital on Yom Kippur. I think I've told that here before. So the, uh, you're allowed to do that. Not only are you allowed to, you're required to do that. But he could have told one of his followers to do it. He didn't. He went and he did it himself. Even though he kept everyone waiting. Because the importance of helping somebody else. He wanted to teach his followers a lesson. We always have to help somebody else who's in pain. Whenever anyone's in trouble, we need to help them. The Rebbe also would tell very often another story about the Alter Rebbe, the first leader of Chabad. 
The Altair, the first leader of Chabad, lived in a two-story house. He lived downstairs, and his married son, who later also became the leader, Reb Dov Ber, lived with his family upstairs. One time, duplex they call it today, one time the um, Alter Rebbe hears a baby crying upstairs. He went upstairs and he sees his son is there. He had been left to watch the baby, but he was in the, engrossed in his studies and appeared unaware that the baby was crying. So the Alter Rebbe himself went and picked up the baby, sued the baby, and then went over to his son, interrupted him from his learning, and he told him, whenever a baby cries, you need to hear it. Doesn't matter what you're busy with, you're busy studying. He was a great scholar. Baby cries, you need to hear the cry of another child, of a child. And so the Rebbe spoke many times about the need to love somebody else, another person, as much as we love ourselves. The Alter Rebbe, and that's a mitzvah in the Torah, love your fellow as yourself. How can you love your fellow as yourself? How can you love somebody else as much as you love yourself? So in the Alter Rebbe himself, in his important book, Tanya explains that the truth is, we think of ourselves as individuals. But the truth is that every person has a soul. The soul is a spiritual, godly soul. But the soul in its source, and every soul is connected to its source, all souls are really one soul. In other words, we're really one and the same person. So, if one hand hurts the other hand, whether knowingly or by mistake. You're not going to hurt. Your right hand hurts your left hand. You're not going to hurt your right hand back. That would be foolish. Another person harms you. You're not going to hurt them back. That's your, you're hurting yourself. They're you. You're all one and the same people. You see every other person the pain of another person, see it as your own. See it as yourself. In fact, the Rebbe once told a woman who was going through a very challenging time, and she cried to the Rebbe and told the Rebbe of the great pain she was feeling. And the Rebbe once said, I feel your pain. And so she said, she had a, um, the audacity to say, I don't believe you. I don't think you can. The Rebbe said, when a mother has a baby and the child is sick and the child cries out of pain, the mother feels the child's pain. You can feel your child's pain. The mother cries along with the child, feels the child's pain. In the same way, a we can feel each other's pain. We can empathize and we can feel somebody, recognize that they are, we are one and the same. They are in pain. We are in pain. When sometimes there were people who didn't get along, the Rebbe would, when there would be people who, and there are in every community, there are always, there's always disagreement. Unfortunately, we Jews are very good at arguing and fighting with each other, and there was in many places. 
there was disagreement, when there were people that didn't get along, the Rebbe would come down very firm. You have to learn to get along with each other. You have to work together. In fact, one time in his own community in Brooklyn, there was a fight going on over some something. And uh, the Rebbe said, I'm not going to make any public appearances until you figure this out. Yes, because the Rebbe always took great care to care for every person to make sure that everyone got along. Somebody was hurt. The Rebbe went to great lengths to try to care for them, look out for them. The Rebbe taught us that whenever we see someone in pain, whenever we see somebody hurt, be there for them. You see an individual. Don't just look at the group. Look at an individual. When there are schools sometimes that have troubled children, what do you do? The child's disturbing the class, disturbing the school. You kick him out of school, suspend the child, expel the child from school. The Rebbe would say, what, what's, what's going to happen to that child? Where's that child going to go? Maybe he's harming the school, so you've got to remove him from the class. And there may be such instances you've got to do that. But that doesn't absolve you of responsibility for him. You've still got to watch out for that child. That's still your child. You still have responsibility for every single child. Can't let, we have to care for every single person. The Rebbe went so far to be concerned. The Rebbe was very concerned about Jews in prison. Thankfully, Jews don't tend to commit crimes in large numbers. Um, it's much smaller numbers than the general population, thank God. Um, because if we did, we'd all be blamed for it. Um, but there are Jews that commit crimes, um, and there are Jews in prison. There always have been. And so the Rebbe started an organization that's still around today called Aleph that um, works with Jews in prison. And um, the Rebbe went to great lengths to try to um, help um, Jews, um, or really people in general in prison, among the work of Aleph is not just help Jews, give them Jewish services in prison, but also to help non-Jews, help people who are there perhaps unfairly, who have been treated unfairly. The Rebbe put a lot of emphasis into in, um, in criminal justice reform. Um, in fact, uh, you may recall a couple years ago, the federal government passed uh, criminal justice reform law. Um, I think the mo most major criminal justice reform in decades, and that was that, that law was mostly written by the Aleph Institute and uh, inspired by the Rebbe's teachings on how we should manage criminal justice. So Rebbe took great care for even people who had committed crimes, got to care for them also. In fact, one time, the Aleph Institute brought a group of, they were able to get a group of people in prison, Jews in prison, who were able to come on a trip. They brought them on a trip to Brooklyn to see the Rebbe and they even brought them to one of the Rebbe's public speak speeches or the Rebbe's public gatherings that were called Fabrengans. And they brought, they brought him to the Fabrengan. And the Rebbe called Rabbi Lipsker, who was the director of the Aleph, who was the director of the Aleph Institute. And the Rebbe instructed him, make sure that don't put all the people from the prison together, all the prisoners together at the, in, when they're in public. Spread them out around the crowd. Because if they're all standing together, people will notice them and they'll feel uncomfortable. Wow. And so the Rebbe really took a care for everybody, 
for everyone, no matter whom they are. The Rebbe spoke about the need to constantly, no matter who they are, where they are, to constantly try to reach out to others, to constantly try to help others, to always be there for anybody in need, any time, to always be there for people. Um, there was once a, um, a city council member that came to the Rebbe in the city of New York, came to visit the Rebbe, and um, the Rebbe told them that um, the Rebbe said, I have a favor to ask of you. And, you know, every politician knows that you speak to a communal leader. They always have favors to ask of you for their community. So what, what, what would you like? And the Rebbe said that um, New York has a very large Asian community the, in Chinatown. Um, and the Asians don't like to speak up for themselves. They don't organize themselves politically. They don't speak up for themselves. And so nobody cares for their needs, for their community, for their needs. So please look out for them as well. And so the Rebbe knew what was going on, but he, took, he looked out for the Asian community as well um, and other communities, not just for Jews, um, but for anyone who he felt was, you know, had needs and was not fully taken care of. Yes, Don? Twofold question. Do evil people love themselves and are we supposed to love them even though they are evil? That is an excellent question. Um, <laughs> That is an excellent question. The Tanya says you should love the good in people and hate the evil within them. Now, are there some people that are beyond the pale? Yes, I think so. There are some people who are absolute evil, who have done so much bad that um, there isn't much hope for them. But even them, we should still encourage them to do good. And do, they, do you think that they love themselves? Yes, I told the story, and some of you heard it already last week, um, I wasn't going to tell it because I had just told it, but I'll repeat it um, since you brought it up. There was a senator from, I think from Alabama, whose name was Jesse Helms. He was the head of the Foreign Relations Committee. He was very anti-Israel. This is in the early 80s. Uh, very anti-Israel and very anti-Semitic. And, uh, you know, he was from the South, Southern Republican. And um, there was a Chabad organization that honored him at one of their dinners. And so Alan Dershowitz, the well-known law professor from Harvard, wrote a letter to the Rebbe. How can you honor such a man who's done so much bad to Israel, blocked aid to Israel when they needed it, um, caused so much harm to Israel, and really has said things that seem to imply that he harbors anti-Semitic beliefs? The Rebbe responded to him that every person has good good in them. Every person has something positive. And every leader has something positive. And um, yes, he's done some negative, but the more we bring out the positive, the more good he'll do. And just the Rebbe then wrote to him, just you wait and see, Jesse Helms will yet do a lot of good. And indeed, after that, a couple months later, and this was kind of unexpectedly, Jesse Helms made a 180 and became Israel's greatest supporter in the Senate and um, directed lots and lots of aid and help to Israel and became a great friend of the Jewish people. And for the rest of his career, his long career, he switched about halfway. He suddenly became one of the greater lovers of Jews and Israel in the Senate. So we don't give up on people too easily. Kill them with love. You kill them with love, respond with love. Kill them with love. How can you do that? How can you kill them with love? 
Respond positively. It never helps to respond negatively. Always respond positively. Yes. Yes, yes, but that's a subject of itself. Yes, yes. Yes, they should be punished for Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, but that's a subject of itself. So our first lesson from the Rebbe is that we all have to do everything we can to notice somebody in need, to try to help others materially or spiritually. If somebody's in need, do everything that we can to help them. Even if you just have a little, you always have something you can do to help somebody else, materially and spiritually, the Rebbe would stress. We can make a positive impact spiritually teaching other people, teaching them about Torah, teaching them about God. We can help other people, do everything we can to help others, love everyone as yourself. Our second lesson from the Rebbe is creating leaders. The Rebbe is often thought of as a great leader, but the Rebbe was not just a leader. The Rebbe was a person who made leaders. Many, many people will turn to the Rebbe with advice. And we have volumes and volumes of the Rebbe's letters. Um, and uh, we have now many of it's been recorded um, of people's own recollections of how they asked the Rebbe for advice. The Rebbe would often give advice, but not always. Sometimes the Rebbe would tell people, go seek expert advice and make the decision yourself. Figure it out on your own. The Rebbe sent out young couples, usually in their early 20s, to communities. Say, go build a community. And they would ask, what do I do? How do I build a community? Where do I start? The Rebbe would say, you get there and you'll figure it out. Figure it out. You're on your own. The Rebbe didn't give any financial support. Chabad was always built as a franchise. Every center took care of itself. There were no rules of what you were supposed to do. Some Chabads have schools. Some Chabads focus on senior work. Some Chabads will focus on uh, some Chabads will focus on synagogues. Some will focus on education, on on classes. Some do all the above. Each one will focus. On, the Rebbe didn't say what you have to do. Go open a community. Build a community in whichever way you think is right for yourself and for the place where you are. And so each community, Chabad community is totally different. The Rebbe said, you're the leader, you figure it out yourself. And in that way, the Rebbe built leaders. The Rebbe often told people that were in various positions, what are you doing to help your community? Not necessarily official leaders. The Rebbe would ask people, what are you doing to help the community? Why don't you take on a bigger role? Why don't you take a communal role? The, when Rabbi Sachs, who later became the chief rabbi of, of Britain, um, visited the Rebbe as a student, he came to interview the Rebbe. He went on a trip around the United States to interview great Jewish leaders. And he came to interview the Rebbe and he asked the Rebbe a few questions and then the Rebbe asked him, what are you doing about Jewish life? He was then a student at Oxford. What are you doing about Jewish life at Oxford? He said, well, you know, I'm busy at school and there isn't really much going on in Jewish life. And the Rebbe said, if God placed you at Oxford, that's for you to build a Jewish community there among the students. You're there to build a community. Go do something. And the Rebbe told similar things to many, many other people. What are you doing for your community? What are you doing 
How are you being a leader? The Rebbe encouraged all sorts of people to build their own leadership, to become their own leaders. Step up to the plate. We always need leaders. We need people to take leadership roles. Go do something. Go make an impact. Go make a difference. There was a Chabad rabbi in New Haven, whose name was Ramosha Yitzchak Hecht. And he went through some very challenging period in his organization. And at one point he decided he had enough. And so he wrote to the Rebbe a resignation letter that he's resigning from his position as Chabad leader in New Haven. And he'd like the Rebbe to send a young man, a young couple who's more capable, who will be able to lead the Chabad organizations in New Haven. And so the Rebbe responded, "Um, thank you for your letter. I have done as you said. I have sent a young couple to lead the Chabad organizations, a young man to lead the Chabad organization in New Haven. And his name is Rabbi Moshe Yitzchak Hecht. In fact, there was another fellow who, um, young rabbi, Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Weinreb, not, who, was, who was not a Chabad follower himself, but had a relationship with Chabad. He lived in Baltimore. He later would go on to become the executive director of the Orthodox Union um, and hold other important positions. And he went through what he describes as somewhat of a midlife crisis. He wasn't sure. He was a rabbi and psychologist. He wasn't sure. He was trained for both, wasn't sure what field he should go into, and he also had some kind of general interpersonal struggles. And so he called, he was living in Baltimore at the time, and he called the Rebbe's office asking the secretary for a um, asking the secretary for an appointment to meet the Rebbe. He could discuss his issues. And so he's speaking to the secretary, started talking about his issues. And he hears the Rebbe's voice in the background. The Rebbe must have been in the secretary's office at the time. He hears the Rebbe's voice in the background saying, who's on the phone? So the secretary asks him, what's your name? And he didn't feel comfortable saying his name. So he said, I'm a Jew from Maryland. Maryland. He was in Baltimore at the time. So um, the secretary told the Rebbe is a Jew from Maryland and he's going through a crisis. He'd like to meet you. So the Rebbe said, tell him that there is, if he's from Maryland, there's a Jew in Baltimore, in Maryland, whose name is Weinreb, and you should go speak to him. <laughs> so the fellow at the fo- on the Rabbi Weinreb was shocked. He didn't know how the Rebbe knew that he lived in Maryland or who he was. But he, he said, um, he tells the secretary, I am Rabbi Weinreb. So the secretary then repeated to the Rebbe, who was standing in the room, um, he says he is Rabbi Weinreb. (laughs) So the Rebbe, without missing a beat, said, if so, tell him he should speak to himself. (laughs) He had a sense of humor, humor, but he was also teaching him something powerful. And the Rebbe told similar things to other people. Before you start asking people to tell you what to do, we have to be our own leaders. The Rebbe, yes, gave lots of advice, but the Rebbe also encouraged people to be their own leaders, to make their own decisions. 
to figure things out on their own first, not just trust themselves. You always have to ask expert advice, ask advice from friends. One should never trust oneself. We spoke about that many times. But to be their own, decisive on our own, and to get out there and make an impact and make a difference, be leaders on our own, not just be followers, not just do what we're told to do, but step up. There's so much that could be done. Anyone can make an impact on their own community. Sometimes today, people try, there's a whole, um, today you could be an influencer, right? Influ- social media influencers. You want to be a global influencer. The Rebbe would focus, don't, don't focus globally, focus locally. But you could be a local, make an impact locally. There's a huge impact that you can make. Um, you could really make a big difference. So our second lesson, life-changing lesson from the Rebbe is be a leader. First one is love your fellow as you love yourself and be there, care for every person and take, take every, uh, do everything it takes to help anyone. And the second is be a leader. Step up, be a leader. Third lesson from the Rebbe. The Rebbe spoke about the importance of focusing on positivity. He would quote Maimonides who says that you should never speak negatively about another person. Always speak positively about people. Even someone you don't like. Always speak positively about other people. Negative speech, and for that matter, negative thought, leads to negative outcomes. When you say something negative about somebody, it creates negativity in yourself and the person listening. When you say something positive, it creates positivity. Rather than criticizing praise. You could say those same words in a positive way. You've done amazing. You could do even better. Rather than saying you didn't do well. Say it in a positive way. Being positive creates positive energy in all of us. The Rebbe would explain that this is not only for how we speak of people, how we predict the future of what will happen, but even using positive words. The Rebbe would avoid using the word bad. He would always say not good. Or the word death. He would say opposite of life. In Hebrew, hospitals are called Bet Cholim, the house of the sick. The Rebbe said, don't use that. Say instead, Bet Refuah, the house of healing. He wouldn't even let his secretaries use the word deadline as the word dead in it. Instead, he would always insist they use the word due date. (laughs) Something positive, have a positive connotation. In fact, the Rebbe insisted that people with disabilities should not be called people with disabilities or children with disabilities should not be called children with disabilities. They used to once use a word that's no longer acceptable, retarded but rather they should be called special children. The Rebbe said this some 40 more, 50 years ago. Um, The Rebbe was almost certainly the first one that came up with that term that is now today universal, the way we refer to children with special needs, right? They're special. Not different, not disabled, but special. The Rebbe would always encourage us to expect good to happen, to be optimistic about the future. 
he would quote the third Chabad Rebbe, the Tzemach Tzedek, who would say, think good and it would be good. And in the works of the Reshit Chachma, um, from um, one of our um, Rabbeinu Bachaye, one of our great um, early thinkers, uh, sorry, from Chovet Halavavot, one of our great early thinkers, he writes that the positive thinking generates positive outcomes. People that are pessimistic end up with negative outcomes. When you think positive, that creates positive energy, and it creates positive outcome. In 1977, the Rebbe suffered a major heart attack. And after the heart attack, the doctors told him that he better slow down, or he has 60% chance of getting another major heart attack. And the Rebbe said, that means if I continue what I'm doing, I have a 40% chance of not getting another heart attack. (laughs) In every situation... Whatever it might be, the Rebbe would always find the positive. Not just the silver lining. Not just, yes, there's a positive silver lining in everything. But the Rebbe would say that negativity, whatever bad things happen, you will look at, look at it deeper and you'll see that was really just a stepping stone for something much, much, much greater. The Rebbe would speak of the destruction of the temple, the greatest tragedy that befell our people and our exile and suffering for all these years. The Rebbe said this is all in order to build a much greater temple, in order to, for Israel to reach a much greater point, to reach something much greater and much more powerful. Every challenge is there for us to reach something even greater. So the Rebbe would always be positive and optimistic. Positive energy, positive speech, positive thought, Positive energy, optimism, creates positivity, creates good results. That's our third teaching. Our fourth teaching is to utilize technology. Many religious people, or many just people in general, have this fear of new technologies. Fear will somehow, it's not good, it's going to harm the world as we know it harm our communities. The Rebbe embraced new technology. He quoted the Talmud. The Talmud says, why did God create gold? Why is gold so valuable? Because God wanted gold to be used in the temple. It's used in the temple, it's valuable. That's the purpose of gold. It's not there that we should have golden jewelry, or gold bars. It's there so that it should be used in the temple. That's why God created gold, because everything that God created, God created to serve Him. So if God created technology, why did He create it? God created it, it didn't come on its own. Why did He create it? In order for us to serve Him. There was a um, professor, one of his followers, um, who, who was a researcher for NASA, Velvel Green, um, who was... Um, researching, he was a biological um, scientist uh, and uh, bi- uh, biologist, and he was researching life on other planets for NASA, led a team searching for life on other planets. And he asked the Rebbe, should we be looking for life on other planets? The Rebbe said, absolutely. If you find life on other planets, you'll be able to find a way to use that we'll for a spiritual thing. Exactly, we'll have another Chabad community. <laughs> so, the Rebbe said, the Rebbe explained that 
once explained that the Zohar predicts, there's a fascinating prediction in the Zohar. The Zohar says that in the year 1760, starting in the year 1760, there will be this huge explosion of scientific knowledge. Beginning in the year 1760, there will be a 500-year explosion of scientific knowledge. And indeed, it's true, it's happened. The Zohar says that's all a preparation for the coming of Moshiach. And so therefore all technology that science is giving us is part of the role of building a perfect world. So in the 1950s, the Rebbe encouraged Rabbi Weinberg, uh, one of his followers, a great teacher, to start a class to teach Tanya on the radio in New York. And he started in the 1950s, he continued it for 50 years. He continued that class where he would teach Tanya on the radio. The Rebbe said, why were radio waves invented? In order to share Torah on the radio. Why else would radio have been created? It's there to share Torah. Starting in the 1970s, when they started creating switchboards that were in the early 70s, they had switchboards that allowed for conference calls across large, from place, place to place. The Rebbe had them install a switchboard in 770 in his center in Brooklyn. And he, um, that way, communities from around the world were able to call in and listen to his talks. And so Jewish communities all over the world would call in. It'd be expensive then, right? You'd pay $5 a minute. But they'd be able to call in and they were able to broadcast his talks all over the world. Starting in the early 80s, the Rebbe encouraged them when cable TV became the thing. Why was cable TV invented? To teach Torah, of course. The Rebbe encouraged his followers to buy time on cable TV in order to teach Torah. In fact, from the early 80s, all the Rebbe's public talks were broadcast on cable television. And that's why it was created. In um, 1990, they now that by then they had satellites that allowed for um, that allowed for instant satellite television, that allowed for instant um, television to be created from one part of the world and broadcast immediately to the other end of the world. And so um, the Rebbe had them create the only time it's been done, had them create an international Hanukkah celebration broadcasting Hanukkah celebrations in all around the world on six different continents. Um, had them broadcast Hanukkah celebrations everywhere and um, all over using, then it was satellites for the internet, right? Satellite dishes um, in each place to broadcast simultaneous Hanukkah celebrations around the world. In 1988, the Rebbe encouraged Rabbi Kazan to start the Chabad on the web. At that time, the World Wide Web didn't even exist yet. It was called the intranet. But he began already Chabad then. And as soon as the World Wide Web opened, um, one of the first domains that were registered was Chabad.org. It was one of the first domains to be registered. The Rebbe encouraged that we use technology. People sometimes complain about technology. And we've got to be careful. It has its dangers. Absolutely. But technology was created for Torah, for God. We use technology in order to, for, in order, uh, in order to advance what God's mission to us. Um, and, that's our, uh, and so rather than being afraid of technology, harness it in order to spread the words of Torah, in order to 
um, spread goodness in order to do good for others, spread Torah and, and God's commandments. And the final lesson, so far we did loving one's fellow, we're all really one and caring for every individual. Every person's a leader, born to be a leader, and find a way that you can make an impact. Um, we spoke about optimism, being always positive thinking, positive words, um, using technology. And finally, the Rebbe, our final one is work ethic. The Rebbe worked very hard. He'd work 18, 20 hours a day, sleeping very little, um, and never took vacation. From when he became Rebbe in 1950 until his stroke that made him mostly incapacitated in 1992 um, for um, 52 years. He did not take a, 42 years, sorry, he did not take a single vacation. Not even one day vacation. And he worked seven days a week. On Shabbat he would have public um, talks, he would speak publicly, study. And the Rebbe would tell everyone, tell people, would taught that God gave everyone only a limited number of days on earth. You only have a certain number of days, a certain number of hours, and a certain number of minutes. Time is the most precious commodity you are given. The most valuable thing you have, more than anything else, is your time. One moment wasted is the greatest loss you'll have. We have to maximize our time. Focus on every single moment. Never lose a moment. How do you do that? How do you maximize your time? So the Rebbe said he once learned this from his father-in-law. So one time, his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe, one time he walked into his father, when his father-in-law lived in the Soviet Union, and he ran then an underground network, which we'll talk about in detail next week. Um, he ran an underground network of Jewish organizations, which was all illegal, very, very dangerous. And he lived at the time in um, Leningrad, what's today St. Petersburg. And uh, he was on a, he needed to go to travel to Moscow. Over there, he was going to meet an American, leader of an American organization who was a huge funder of this secret underground network itself, taking U.S. foreign money itself a crime in the Soviet Union. And so he was supposed to meet this individual, just meeting a representative of an American organization was a crime in itself. So he was supposed to take a, a so he's, many times over doing things that in the Soviet Union would have put him away for a very, very long time. And so he was supposed to take a train to Moscow to meet this person. And the train was supposed to leave. He was supposed to leave, go, he had a, supposed to go to the train station in an hour, a half hour or so. And he walked into his father-in-law's office and he sees his father-in-law was in the middle of writing a, a, a Hasidic teaching. He was writing. And so something that obviously you're writing takes a lot of focus. The Rebbe interrupted and said, how do you focus when you're about to take this big trip? Right? Everyone knows we don't a trip, right? That whole morning you're, when you're about to get on a plane, right? We don't take trains on long trips anymore. But before you're about to get on a plane, you're, you're all, right? You're, uh, you, you can't focus, right? It's very hard. And so the previous Rebbe said, you need to learn that each thing you do, nothing else exists. You're focused on exactly what you're doing right now. Don't focus on anything else. Otherwise, what happens is you keep wasting time worrying about the next thing. And so um, you need to, wherever you are, just focus on that, not on anything else. And so therefore, you need to make sure every single moment you do is used to the fullest.
Don't waste a single moment. There was a rabbi in New York, Rabbi Bumzer, whom um, the Rebbe, he was Rebbe, gave him, would tell him to do a lot of, a lot of things, the rabbinic work the Rebbe gave him. He was a prominent rabbi. And he once came to the Rebbe and he told the Rebbe, I have too much on my plate. I'm very tired, too much going on, I don't have time to do everything. The Rebbe looked at him and the Rebbe said, you're tired? So what? <laughs> I'm also tired. Successful people are tired. Of course. Of course. You've got to work hard. Yeah. In fact, everyone sent um, a community activ- activist, Rabbi Zev Siegel, um, on a particular mission that turned out to be a lot harder than he expected. So when Rabbi Siegel came back to the Rebbe, reported on the mission, and he said, this was extremely difficult, a lot harder than I thought when you told me, that when you sent me, it turned out much harder. The Rebbe said, Who says that we ever made a contract with God that life should be easy? (laughs) Life wasn't meant to be easy. In fact, the Rebbe would quote Proverbs. In Proverbs it says, Adam la mauyulad. Man is made to work hard. You're built to work hard. You weren't built to have an easy life. You were built to be really hard. Rabbi Steinsaltz, um, the famous rabbi who wrote dozens and dozens of books and translated the entire Talmud, um, and built a, had, a, had a great yeshiva and did many, many other things. Once wrote to the Rebbe that he had too much to do, and he wrote a list of the various projects that he was involved in, and he asked the Rebbe which projects he should drop. The Rebbe responded to, the Rebbe responded to him, you should take on even more. <laughs> now, understandably, the Rebbe was very against retirement. The Rebbe would say a person should continue working as long as God allows them to do so. If you have the ability to keep working, keep working. If you need to retire from your current job because it's too taxing or you're not up for it anymore or just they don't like old people where you, where you work, which happens sometimes, that's okay. Move on to something else. Find something else to do. When the Rebbe turned 70, the Rebbe said other people at 70 slow down. But he asked that when on his 70th birthday he said, I want this year Chabad to build 71 new organizations this year. At the time Chabad had maybe 100 organizations around the world. Um, This is 50 years ago. He wanted 71 new organizations that year. And even till he was 90 years old, he continued working full 20 hour days or 18, 20 hour days and continued working for 40 years. Um, Frank Lattenberg was a um, Jewish, very successful businessman um, who had some hand in politics. He was in his 60s and uh, he was looking to retire. The Rebbe said, why would you? He had a close relationship with the Rebbe. The Rebbe said, you have so much to do. You have such a great future ahead of you. Go find. You don't like your work. You don't like your business. Sell your business. Go do something else. Find another job. He did that. He sold his business. He ran for senator in New Jersey and he was senator for the next 25 years. Um, he served as senator. And um, so the Rebbe would often remind people that Moses started his career at 80. Look at the impact he made. As long as we still have time, there's still work to do. So our fifth lesson for today is the work ethic. This always maximize your time. Use every moment out. Never waste a moment. Time is the most valuable thing. You're still here. There's still something for you to do. When life ends, you'll have 
that's when you retire. Until then, there's more work for all of us to do. So, those are... When life ends when you die, then you're retired. Then you're done. Until you die. As long as you have another moment, you could continue working. You do whatever you can. You always do what you can. You make every effort that you can. What if you overwork and it shortens your life? Isn't it better to do a little... You need to take care of your health. But most people, their problem is not overworking, but underworking. Sometimes it could be they're working on the wrong things. They focus on their career instead of their family. That, that's a different issue. But you've got to always be maximum using out your time. So our five lessons for today, I'm going to have to cut this short. I apologize. But our five lessons for today are, again, love your fellow. Know that we're all really one. You see somebody else in trouble, you could help somebody. Do everything you can. Help them materially, spiritually. Every person could be a leader. Step up. Do something. Make an impact. Um, don't rely on others. Be optimistic. Be positive. Never, ever be negative. Um, negativity creates negative energy. Positivity creates positive energy, positive results. Utilize technology. Anything God created was made in order to serve Him, to be used for positive. Be careful. Don't use it for negative. But everything could be used for positive. And find the power of the work ethic. Um, every moment is precious. Time is the most precious thing we have. Keep working. There is more that you can do. You can still make an impact. And just to conclude, the Rebbe's greatest focus his entire life was on bringing Moshiach, working towards the end of times to bring our world to perfection. He wrote in a letter that since he was a child, he always dreamed of a perfect world. He couldn't make per peace with the, with the challenges in our world, with the suffering in our world. And so he always dreamed for this perfect world. He spoke ex extensively. Mm, we have to take every, do everything we can to try to perfect our world. And would always quote Maimonides who says that you never know. The next action that you take may be the action that makes the difference. So if you're ever hesitant or you need an extra push, remember this could, this last action thing, this next thing that you do could make all the difference. So go out there, take the Rebbe's lesson, change the world. You all can make a huge impact. Um, make a difference for the entire world, people around you, for yourselves. And uh, really we can take the Rebbe's lessons um, and uh, make them their life-changing lessons and really change our lives around.